0: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we recap OU's gross win over Kansas in the National College Football Roundup. We recap the other big games of Week 8 of college football, including Oklahoma State's loss to Iowa State. And we finish up by giving you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate five stars, and write us good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those. And you'll find us, all right? Our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, October 25th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in October from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 Monster Mansion of Money promotion. Drawings are every 30 minutes. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now we're recording this Sunday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment because we are dedicated to you people. I am missing the Thunder home opener to (laughs) record this podcast. Now they're down 20-something in the fourth quarter right now to the 76ers. So I do not regret my decision at all. But just so you know, Ted, I'm dedicated to you. I'm dedicated to this podcast. Big time.
1: That's big time. We appre- I appreciate that. And I think we appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Thank you. I, I mean, it, it's about sacrificing, right?
1: Yeah, well, and I, I'm sure you got a lot to say, too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, this isn't what we were going to, you know, like, like, hey, we'll record Monday and put it out. No, 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 no. All right, man. Let's get to it, and just I feel like we have to put this disclaimer out there every time. If you are looking for a podcast to say that all the kids should lose their scholarships and they all should be kicked off the team and all that stuff, this is not the podcast for you. However, do you want to start talking about the defense? I feel like that's where we got to start, man. Let's do it. Ou does beat Kansas, but it was gross to say the least. And I don't know how else other to say it than it was really bad defensively. I mean, really bad. And Ted, do we talk about the injuries? Do we talk about how, you know, playing that way with Sooners on your chest is not acceptable? Like what, where do we start, man?
1: We can start with injuries because I do think it's a factor. I think we're, we're missing some, some good players, some experienced players, specifically in the secondary. We're missing Woody Washington at corner, but he's been out for an extended period. Now we're missing Turner yell. uh, Who's our most experienced safety, um, you know, and and some guys across the front, but like that, that's, to me, not the, the real issue. Um, obviously, I think we'd play better defense if those guys were out there, but they're not. And I I don't care if you're playing Kansas or you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs or you're playing a local high school team. If you don't know how to line up, if you don't know who you're keying off of if you don't know how to adjust to motions if you don't know how to anticipate plays blocking schemes situations if you can't do that you can't play good football I don't care who's on the field I don't care if you have all your starters I don't care if it's all twos I don't care if it's a mix between them you have to understand those things you cannot play you can't even play average defense in college without knowing those things. That's like where you start. Like whenever you're really good at all of those things, then you're average. Whenever you can beat blocks and whip people in one-on-one, then you're good. But you have to at least start at knowing where you're supposed to be and what your responsibility is.
0: And as I watched, because I I was curious, normally I kind of leave the defense up to you. As I went back and watched it, there are times, and I don't have the extensive defensive knowledge that you have, but there's times where I don't even know what they're in from a coverage standpoint. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Well, a lot of – sometimes a lot of the coverages get messy based on a formation, but a a lot of times it's – I think (laughs) – I know – Guys don't know where they're going and what they're doing and what their responsibility is. And they just, we end up having guys that are floating through a coverage and it doesn't look like a coverage. It just looks like bodies like just meandering around the field. I don't know, man. I, it, there's too much wrong to talk about the individual plays that went bad. They all went bad. I mean, there's very few plays on that entire defensive um you know side of the ball where you look at it and say we're good here like this is this is all locked in on almost every snap there's guys in the wrong gap there's guys lined up wrong there's guys like this is we're talking about just where you're supposed to be all right we haven't even talked about the defensive line getting drove off the ball or guys missing tackles in the open field or like we haven't even talked about that. We're just talking about being in the right place. That's that's a frustration point, and I got to tell you, man. We are eight. No, we're eight games into the season. And number one, I don't know how in the world we're eight. No, I, it, we are. That's a great thing. Celebrate it. Be happy that you win. But that ain't winning football, man. It's just not. It's not winning football, and. Like my question is, how are we this deep in the season with guys that have been here for multiple years there's some there's some freshmen sprinkled in there, but how are we this deep in and we still don't we still don't understand responsibilities where we're lining up, what we're doing? I don't know how that happens
0: i i mean you you have to think it it's a blend it's now it's probably a little bit of both but you you have to question the coaching right mm-hmm. because the coach's job is to have the kids prepared for all of that stuff but also you and I both know that sometimes the coaches prepare you very very well and the kids mess it up
1: well the stuff that i'm seeing go wrong out there it's not it's not stuff that I I don't think they're getting told. I know they're getting told because you can't play the defense without some of these. Like these are like it's day one core principles of of how these coverages work. And it's not it's not even there. It's not. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I to me, it means that. The players aren't taking it seriously and aren't prepared for what's happening. I mean, I I can't – I don't want to just skip over the coaches because the coaches – the challenge is finding a way with the time that you're allotted and the guys that you're given. You have to find a way to hammer home the message to where they go out and and play the way that you expect them to and and at a minimum be in the right places in the right call. And that's just flat out not happened. I don't know.
0: Okay, so – uh, I went through and watched all the plays on defense, and I wrote down some questions for you because I figured you were going to be angry after you watched it because when they play bad defense, it makes you angry. I, couldn't, so, I
1: stopped watching it. I quit. I didn't even make it through the whole thing. I, I, watched, about the, I watched about half of it and said, I quit. And then said, well, at least let me watch the last touchdown drive. And then I was like, thank God I didn't watch the stuff in between when I quit and where we are now, because I know it's the exact same.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and
0: a member FDSE. You stopped watching it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was like, what's the point? Oh, well, we're not reading this properly again. We're uh, not stepping right. We're not reading the right keys. We're not adjusting to the motion on time. We're really late. Uh, our footwork is horrible at corner. Um, you know, it's just – it's one – it's every single play. So, it's like – felt like I was banging my head against the
0: wall. Congratulations, defense. You broke Teddy. <laughs> Congratulations. Okay, so this is, this is the first question I wrote down. As a defensive guy, when a team wins a toss and chooses to receive, does the defense view that as a challenge? Because everyone defers, Right. I mean, that's now not everyone, but I always viewed it as a, as an offense saying, Hey, we think your defense sucks. We want the ball. And well, 14 plays and nine minutes and 15 seconds later, a couple offsides penalties later, Kansas is up seven to nothing. And I was like, Oh, maybe that's why they wanted the ball.
1: Right. Well, yeah. I I'm, I'm I'm guessing that they saw something where they felt like they could go out there and set the tone. And, you know, we started off, we had uh, a couple of positive plays in a row where uh, we didn't fit it right, but we got stops in some good spots. The defensive line was firing off the football. And I think it was the first one was like a third and eight or something like that, that they completed. And that's whenever it just <laughs> fell apart. And yeah, I, I take that as a challenge. Usually, I, was, I always wanted to go on the field first just because the longer you stand there on the sideline, number one, you get cold. You're not as warm as whenever you first get out there and, and everyone's running up and down the field getting warm. And number two, it's like you get all the anxiety and the butterflies, like just get us out on the field and get that over with. So, yeah, I, I, that's definitely a challenge from the other team whenever they choose to put you in that spot.
0: This isn't a question, but it, it should have been fourteen to nothing. It was a really stupid hold by one of Kansas's offensive linemen. I think it was the right guard fifty-four. Like Bean would have scored if he wouldn't even if he wouldn't even touched.
1: I show I see you the play on that one that that yeah. I looked at and like what went wrong. It's like that that's the easy that is the easiest play to defend in that coverage ever. There's no way that play should get one yard, not one but it's across the board defended horribly. Defensive linemen straight up jumping and running around a block. Uh, We've got uh, a corner that has a, a wide receiver that he's aligned on that is like a yard and a half away from the core, and there's no communication between the corner and the safety. Like, hey, this dude's about to come hit you in the side of the head. you got a crack coming. Okay, crack, replace, corner, and it's a dead play. It's dead. I don't know. It's frustrating. That play, the, I don't know, whoever is the greatest team in the world with the best offensive line, the best H-back should not be able to get one yard against that defense with that play. That's a sucky play. It's terrible. Everyone in the world knows what's coming. We've got an H-back that's off the ball that's come across the formation. At that point in the time, probably 25 times already. So we should have like a little cross key going on and we should be kind of aware that here he comes. He's going to pull us right to the play. We're going to have to adjust our gaps on the fly. Totally oblivious. No clue. Everyone false steps one way. Defensive lineman jumps around. Safety gets hit in the side of the head by the crack, by the receiver who's right here and the corner's like drifting back into the end zone. It's I don't know man it's it, and that's just one play. That's the rest of the first half. It's some type of sequence like that is pretty much how every play went. I don't know man it's it's it, it's all bad and I don't know how it got that way. I don't.
0: Okay. I'm just going to keep going on my questions <laughs> list because you're upset and I don't I I hate seeing you like this. I didn't want I to see you like I hate seeing them
1: play like that cuz that's not it's not who they are. I just don't, I don't know. <laughs> they, did what, they approached it like it was Kansas. I think, you know, I, I don't know.
0: Okay. This is my next question. I wrote down. Is this all of a sudden an undiscipl- undisciplined, group on defense? You had how many, what, how many veteran guys get offsides calls, right? And what did they have? Five offsides penalties. Yeah. And you had guys running wide open in the secondary, which I put in the discipline category. Like, if you get beat, you get beat. If a guy catches a ball on you, he catches a ball. And if you miss a tackle, okay. But, dude, you can't have guys just running wide damn open. Like, what?
1: Yeah, well, they're definitely undisciplined. Is it all of a sudden undisciplined? I don't know. I mean, we've had some stuff that's, that's been coming up for quite some time. They just the, – the defense does not communicate. Game one of the year with the linebackers. I was talking about whenever you have a, a, a running back that's man to man or you're man to man with him and there's a bunch set or a tight split. You have to know that something is coming to pick you off. Like that's discipline knowing that, but it's also disciplined by people communicating that, Hey man, I'm man-to-man. We're tied to the core. You got the back. Be ready to either go under or go over. And as a linebacker, I'm saying the same thing. Hey, beat him up. I'm coming over the top of you. Play off so I can get underneath. Like, that's all that. That was game one. And here we are against Kansas in game eight. And there's still no discussion on the team between, like, what's about to happen or what we're doing. I, Yeah, I would say it's, it's it's undisciplined. I mean, that's you can look at a million examples of that.
0: Okay, this it probably falls under the undisciplined category then, but how in the hell on so many occasions was there no quarterback player? Jason Bean, whether it was different forms of keeping the ball, like it looked like no one was responsible for the quarterback. How's that possible? Because no one <laughs> It's the
1: same tight end coming across the formation on almost all of the plays. It wasn't just like a traditional, they're isolating one guy on the backside and he's just pulling it. They're bringing the tight end across, which is creating another gap over there. But that makes it easier because it pulls everyone across. Like you don't just guess and follow that guy. They're taking a gap from one side of the ball and moving it to the other after the snap. So we have to adjust our gaps. The the guy that was outside this H-back over here, when he comes across, he now inserts as like the A-gap player maybe. The guy that was the A-gap player, whenever he comes across, is now coming across to the B-gap player. The guy that was over here that was the B-gap player, whenever he comes across, if he's like the outside in the in cover three he's the flat player he's leverages this guy this is his new gap coming across and he just stays outside of it and everyone fits lo and behold you have every gap accounted for and we just we no one ever was reading the keys and coming back with the new gap across there that's why not only was there not someone on the quarterback but there's like there's no one within 10 yards of the guys of the blocker and the quarterback. They're like all the way up to the, the the third level of the defense at times.
0: I can already see uh, there's going to be, you know how the people have been asking for the whiteboards. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's going to be some YouTube comments about what you just did with your hands. Like I have no idea what he was saying, but it sounds bad. Just know it is.
1: Yeah, I thought about drawing something up and putting it on some paper, but I was like, "Well, what play do you draw up whenever they're all wrong?" You know, it's just <laughs> I don't know.
0: Okay, this is this is not what I thought I would write down, but as I watched it defensively, I maybe you saw it differently, but how concerned should we be that Kansas's wide receivers look more athletic than our secondary players? Well. It seems I'm just saying, and hey, all the respect in the world to how Lance Leipold's team played. I do want to make that clear. I thought they, I thought they battled their asses off, but they are arguably the worst program in the Power Five, and I think now that they are, Rutgers seems to have it rolling a little bit by their standards. We've how got, how yeah. did they look so much athletic, much more athletic, at the skill positions when our when the Oklahoma defense was on the field
1: technique, poor technique, poor technique, uh, mental mistakes. Uh, you can't use your athleticism. If you, if your technique is, is all out of whack, we got DBs, you know, part of it is, this is kind of where the injury thing comes in. Bowman's playing corner and, that's not his normal spot so whenever he's in corner a lot of times he's whenever he's got a he's in man-to-man and he's got a wide receiver that's coming right up at him he's backpedaling and then turning his hips and getting out of his backpedal way too early so whenever you do it like if it's if it's third and which by the way we're in third and medium way too much so it makes this even more difficult but you know, whenever he does that, he's trying to get you like the goal for the receiver is to get you to flip your hips. And if you're doing it whenever there's like a five-yard cushion between the two of you, he's gonna absolutely kill you because he's trying to get you to turn your hips, and that's whenever he's gonna like stop and turn around, and and the ball's gonna be there. A lot of it was that we were just our feet at corner was terrible, it was really bad. And at times, you know, there was a lack of understanding of what the route concept is is, is going to be. You know, boot boot has been run in football for I don't since way before I was ever playing. And that was forever ago, probably 50 years or more. And you almost as as long as I've ever seen it, you get almost the same thing. You get a flat. Some type of over and to the boot side, you get a comeback and like we're it's boot. We're the corner. We're turning and getting out of there. And like we expect a, and sometimes you can get a double move off of that, but like we're gone. And it's like, it's, here's the comeback for the first down with no one within, you know, eight, 10 yards of him. Cause we don't have an understanding of what's about to happen and, and what route they're about to run. So it's a mix of all of that bad technique guys playing out of position. Um, not an understanding of the concepts that you're, you've been defending all day and what's about to be coming at you.
0: So uh, I think some OU fans, some of the people that listen to this podcast are probably wondering why there was so much space for, for some of those completions. And I think you just kind of laid it out right there.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, some of it. I mean, that's the one whenever there's at least someone in the frame. The other ones are whenever (laughs) we have no understanding of of what's going on. And I hope so. I mean, (laughs) when we're in the red zone and we got a nickel that's over the number two wide receiver. And on the snap, he just bails and he's gone. Like he's going out over the top of number one. It's like, it's a throw. There's, there's no way that's the defense. There's no way that's the coverage. It can't be just flat out. Cannot be the coverage, especially in the red zone. When everything's more condensed, like I can understand. There may be some, some type of coverage that you run on like third and 55 where you absolutely leave the number two guy streaking down the middle of the field, but not in the red zone. So that's a mental mistake. So it's just. It was the perfect mix of mental mistakes and technique issues and lack of, lack of conversation between players as to what's about to come. Everything that could have happened did happen.
0: Mm, the Murphy's Law game for the OU defense. Okay, I feel like you've, you've expressed your frustration with what went wrong. We tried to look at the positives when we can. Any positive takeaways? Any Key Lawrence played takeaways? well. Who? Key Lawrence. Good. Played well. Yeah, I thought uh, especially, you know, I, I thought he was decisive, man. Played with speed. I yep. always say the velocity, like coming downhill, seeing things clearly, knowing his responsibilities. I thought out of anyone, he was the bright spot.
1: Well, yeah, it's amazing what happens with a little bit of anticipation. My God, if you say, look to, we're in, in cover three, you have one high safety, the other one's low in the box. On a motion across, a lot of times teams rock and roll. Like now the other safety is going to have to come down and the other one comes back. It's like Key Lawrence is the only person on the field that's anticipating emotion. And like Pat Fields is lined up. There goes the motion. He's the new deep safety. It's like, oh, uh, what do I do now? Oh, if a guy motions, then I go back. Okay, let's go back. Key Lawrence is already on it, and he's already moving and making that adjustment. And at, like trying to signal to him as it's happening, it's just like if you just anticipate some things, you look like Ed Reed out there. You know, he's a big, fast, physical guy. And that's what happens when you're prepared and understand where you fit in the framework of the defense. You can't make it harder than it is. You're either a middle third guy or you're a flat player. It's that easy. Now, there's different stuff in between, but I mean, just grasp that concept and understand the few things that may happen on every single snap that can take you out of what you are like really honed in on right now. If you wait until it happens and then it catches you by surprise, you're going to give up like 500 yards of offense to the 130th ranked offense in the country. Like we did
0: anything else, anything else you'd like to uh, you'd like to say about the defensive performance.
1: No, that's it. That's the one guy.
0: All right. I will say that it's probably in the section that you uh, you had reached pink anger. So you, you turned it off. They did play a little more straight with the DL at times, like they just say, this is your gap, be physical, get off blocks. We're not going to do all the moving and twisting and thought they did some pretty good things up front when they played it that way. Just saying, just saying.
1: Yeah. Good. That should happen against Kansas.
0: I'm sorry, man. I can tell. I can tell it, it, it this, it, it ruined your day watching it again. I can tell. I'm sorry. It took me forever
1: to get through like 30 plays. It's like you, there's 11 guys out there and it's like, well, and you know, I don't know the call. So it takes me a second to figure out the call. And then it's like, well, why is this D lineman like, it, it's every single, almost every guy through the entire thing is wrong. So it's like, it takes me forever to watch the play, even on a play that likes a one-yard gain in the running game. It's like, well, hang on a second, that's not. It shouldn't look like that. And you go back and you try and like, you have to look at where it went wrong and like dissect it from there and work your way back. And it's just, I didn't have the brain power today. I guess <laughs> it's like if I was watching the same thing over and over. Well, were wrong, wrong, wrong. I should have just skipped forward, I guess. Glutton for punishment with that first
0: half. Teddy was in his personal hell today watching the defensive performance. Yeah. Okay. If we'll you move ever on to the put offense... me in prison
1: And like cruel and unusual punishment make me watch guys not fit the split zone properly. That's it. That's, that's, the, that's my hell.
0: Well, it's not like the offense is running split zone at all, so it's not like OU's defense ever sees it in practice. It's only the
1: number one play in college football. I mean, that's, that's it.
0: <sighs> the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour a- access to clean and safe places, and a big announcement is coming this week. I'm just telling you, big announcement from our friends at Love's. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, drinks, and my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com and make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home home loans, and much more, they do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. Okay. The offensive side of things. Against Kansas. I feel like we just have to continue to remind everyone it's Kansas. So my first thought when it comes to the offense, okay, when your defense gives up an opening drive like that, man, you got to go answer. You got to put a drive together, especially since you're playing Kansas, who I still, I stand by this. They have the worst defense in the power five, and I don't think it's close. You can't run five plays, and then be off the field. You just can't, man. I mean, they just went on a nine-something drive and shoved it down your defensive basement. You, but you've got to answer. So that was my first thought. But then Kansas goes on another marathon drive, and it should have been a touchdown if it wasn't for a dumb hold by one of their guys but they get a field goal. You're down 10-0. You got to go answer, right? You can't go three and out with an interception. Like, you can't. When your defense is getting its ass kicked like that, you have to show up. Now, luckily, it was Kansas. So you could come back in the game, but against a good team, like, you can't start that slow when the defense is struggling. Now, you could say, hey, the defense needs to do their part. Yes, that's true. But we all saw the first couple drives of the game, so that that was my you know my initial response. Rewatched, I was like, "Man, you you got to put some drives together there." But it's just not how you want to respond when your defense is struggling. Okay, now that I've got that, the first half was really really bad, really bad. But what did they run? Seventeen plays, something like. But yeah. no points. You go. You get shut out by Kansas. That cannot happen. It cannot happen. Now, I will say, if you're looking at positive stuff like, hey, five possessions in the second half, five touchdowns. That's really, really good. I mean, it's really good. Now, we can talk about some of the things that led to those touchdowns and made you talk about things that weren't supposed to go the way that they did, Ted. I mean, holy shit. But mm-hmm. I, I think the easiest way to do it is to just go through the positions like we have in the past. So let's start, with, let's start with quarterback. Let's start with the positive stuff for Caleb Williams. It didn't go well in that first half, but he was able to orchestrate those five touchdown drives in the second half and win the damn, damn game. And he had the plays that won him the game. And that also included some really nice touchdown throws, right? He puts it up there for Hazelwood to go make a play on it. Touchdown. He throws an absolute dart to Jeremiah Hall on the pop pass. Pinpoint accurate throw. Touchdown. It's really good, man. It's a really good ball. Now, everyone is talking about the play where he took it from Kennedy Brooks. That may be the smartest play I've ever seen in a football game. And I straight up asked him, hey, did you know you could do that? Did you know that one against rules? He said, yeah, I knew I could do that. So, now, it was it an instinctual play? Was it a natural reaction? Yes, but that's one of the smartest plays. And I don't care if he's a true freshman. I don't care. I would be beyond impressed if that was a redshirt senior that did that. That's one of the smartest plays I've ever seen in a game, Ted. And... That, who knows what happens if he doesn't make that play? I do. We lose the game.
1: Right? We lose the game. We're not stopping them at that point. Why would we? Why? (laughs) I think we lose the game. And that's like the, it's a good play. And it's awesome that he made it. But I'm more stuck on like, it's a can't. Can't miss moment, and we're stuffed on a fourth down. Lincoln Riley has to, in a tight game, a one score game, has to go for fourth and what was it, two or three, on his own end of the field, because the defense just got, I mean, roasted on the the drive before went right down the field, scored touchdown on us. We looked like we had no clue what was going on. Where he's got to go for it on his own end of the field, and it's stuffed. to plays dead it's dead and he makes that play and saves the game i mean i i think that (laughs) rarely can you point to like one thing that happened in the game to say like this won it and this you know this this would have won or lost the game it was that moment right there i think
0: yeah so uh caleb williams come in (laughs) continues to be a big time difference maker for this football team okay now that we've gotten the positive out of the way we let's Let's talk candidly about the way that he played. So his other touchdown run was a fourth and three. Awesome individual effort. But he shouldn't have bounced it. He bounces it out to unblocked guys. The hole is there. I mean, so they're running the counter play. Now it's not the GT counter. Instead, it's the backside guard and the backside H-back. So it's actually GH counter before the quarterback. And the hole is right there, right where the play is designed to go. There is a large hole for him to run through. And he, for whatever reason, didn't run through it. He bounces it outside. Now, luckily, he's really talented running the football. He makes two guys miss. He takes it to the house. That's awesome. But I'm telling you, the ball needs to go where it's designed to go. Because if he does that against a team, if he does that against Oklahoma State, if he does it against Baylor, if he does it against Iowa State, He's going to get tackled behind the line of scrimmage because they got better players on the edge than Kansas. So I'm telling you, yes, was it an awesome play? Yes. Was it a huge play in the game? Yes. And yes, did the ball go where it was supposed to go? Hell no. It didn't. And that's, I'm just telling you, if it wasn't against Kansas, that's a zero or negative one yard run. Yeah. That's just the truth.
1: Yeah. And he he's he's been able to get away with some stuff. Like he's been able to get away with you know, throwing it just down the field. Whenever guys are are, you know, in, in decent position, just throwing it up and letting the guys go make a play. And it's always, yeah, just go let your guys make plays, be aggressive, push it down there. It's always like that until, you know, you turn it into an interception whenever there's really no reason to do that.
0: Okay that is a good transition into talking about how he played in the passing game. He didn't play well at all in the passing game. Mm -hmm. And I know you look at the numbers and you're like, "What? Really? He didn't play. I'm telling you. Kansas was playing a lot of deep, you know, deep drop zone coverage. Right. It's what they did. And when a defense does that, the key for a quarterback, in my opinion, is to be very disciplined with your eyes because when teams are playing coverage like that, the windows become small, right? Because there's so many people back there. It's just how it works. So the windows are tighter, your eyes and your timing with the football are the key. So you have to work through your reads quickly. You have to play with disciplined eyes. You can't just be wandering looking around like, he did not play with disciplined eyes. I mean, you can see it on the tape. And when he did put his eyes in the right spot for his first read, he stared a little too long a lot of the time, and it slowed him down, and it prevented him from getting through his full progression. And then a lot of times he started with, his, with, what, with what Kansas was doing from a coverage standpoint. He's putting his eyes in the wrong place first. And when you start your progression as a quarterback in the wrong place, it's really hard to get him in the right place and catch up. So he did that way too often. Uh, The interception, you mentioned it. It's a perfect example. His eyes are in the wrong place. They're in the wrong place. Yeah, They should be looking at Jaden Hazelwood on the deep over route. And if he would have had his eyes in the right place, he probably throws that. And Hazelwood had a step. Who knows if they they connect or not, but his read there, if he doesn't like Hazelwood, it's to put his eyes to the flat to Kennedy Brooks, who could not have been more open. I mean, you don't get more open on the football field than Kennedy Brooks was on that play. So if he didn't like Hazelwood on the deep over, then hey, Kennedy Brooks in the flat. Throw him the damn ball throw the ball. I, I mean, you missed, you, you put your eyes in the wrong spot. So you missed your initial read, check it down, play disciplined football. That's, and the, the frustrating part about this, and it's not, that's not the right word, but these are common mistakes for a freshman quarterback. They are common, but With the way that OU's defense is playing, they don't have time for him to work through common mistakes. With the way the defense is playing, they need him to improve as a passer at an uncommon rate. So he's got to look at the way he played in this game as a passer and learn from it. And make those changes. Now, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. It's a process. Like, playing quarterback for Lincoln Riley in that system, it's hard, man. I'm telling you, it's hard. But he, he's got to get better quick. With the way that it – I mean, you laid it out pretty, pretty well, Ted. If OU's defense is going to play that way, they need Caleb Williams to be spectacular. And he was not spectacular in the passing game against Kansas he was well
1: no he was not um here's the real troubling part of it for me is the way Kansas played this football game this is it's not that hard it's shocking to me that everyone doesn't do it but that's the formula to beat o- OU right is to you know inch it down the field on offense and on defense, play big zone coverage and force everything underneath and wait for them to make the mistake. And the Texas and TCU games are the outlier of teams playing us that way. Texas was super aggressive. TCU was not as aggressive as Texas, but still really aggressive and, Those things that, that Kansas was, that's exactly what Baylor and Iowa state and Oklahoma state to some degree are going to do to you. And they are way better at it than anyone we've seen so far by a
0: million miles. Yeah, no, I, I agree, man. So, all right, let's get, let's get through the other guys, uh, skill guys. So no Mario Williams, no Mike Woods. That clearly was not helpful at all. I, I will say that reverse for Trayvon West, that was a massive play in the football game. Mm-hmm. Kansas yep. had, what, had just gone on a 10-play drive and punched it in to go up 17-7. to 7. All of a sudden, you looked up like the entire third quarter was gone. That was a massive play.
1: Yeah. And they
0: cashed yeah. in on a couple of plays later like, I, I'm not clearly the the long touchdown run for Caleb Williams was a bigger play than that. Him having the wherewithal to grab it from Kenny Brooks was the biggest play of the game. But you talk about a swing of momentum that they desperately needed in that football game. That was it, man.
1: Yeah, and I loved I loved the call by Lincoln Riley. Now the the. <laughs> The pessimistic side of me is like, why do we need gadget plays against Kansas in you know to, to get a spark offensively? But the other part is they had just scored that stadium. What what amount of people were there were going crazy? Kansas's team was going crazy on the sideline. Defense was all like amped up, taking the field, getting everyone rolling. It's the Perfect opportunity to use that aggression and those people, those defensive guys like chomping at the bit to go make a play, use that against them and run a reverse. It was a perfect play call for the time.
0: Yeah. I, everyone is giving Caleb Williams a ton of credit for that play, and they should, right? Once again, maybe the smartest play I've ever seen in a football game. The fact that Kennedy Brooks, and we talked to Kennedy after the game, he was like, yeah, I saw it was him. So I kind of was just like, all right, man, here you go. Take it. <laughs> I, to, to let him take it, I think that, you, you know, you have to acknowledge that that was also a huge part of that play. So Kennedy deserves credit for that. I thought he ran tough again, man. There was not a lot of space yeah. for him. And he, he continues to impress me with how physical of a runner he is this season. He's more physical than he's been in the past. And he is, I think right now, he's their most consistent player. And I, I'm sure he's he's had some errors. Like, then I just don't know the running back position well enough to diagnose all of them, you know, when it comes to what he's reading and some of the concepts and things like that. But, man, he just, I, I feel like he's the same dude every Saturday. And that's, that's. That's really what you're after is to know what you're going to get from your guys. And Ted, I feel like we know exactly what we're getting from Kennedy Brooks every Saturday.
1: He's turned into he's turned into a player that is rarely tackled by the first guy. And if he is tackled by the first guy, he's usually falling forward for two or three or four yards after contact. It's it's amazing. I think I said during the broadcast that he runs like he's 235 pounds. It's what it looks like. He is—he's tough, man. Because he's there's been some big collisions with safeties coming down and trying to, to just you know, put a a huge shot on him, and he just runs right through it, man. Impressive.
0: Yeah, I will say. I also thought Eric Gray—he—he's—he's a nice little weapon in the passing game. Like he doesn't get a ton of touches, but uh, I—I think that's something that lincoln's going to continue to go to because when when you get him the ball in space man he's he's a dynamic player out there on the perimeter so i think that's something that they'll keep doing moving forward all right well i guess it's time to talk offensive line everyone's favorite part of the podcast (laughs) deal with it people it's what i know it's what i love okay so i was really hoping that they would keep the momentum from their tcu performance rolling because they played well and it was by far the best game they had played against TCU, but they just – they didn't play this game at the level I was hoping they would play it at. And if I'm being honest, like if I go through and look at the grades that I've got for the guys, it's not not like they're horrible. I mean, they didn't grade out poorly, but the thing is you got to keep reminding yourself it's Kansas, Right, and that matters. Like when you when you play Kansas, and once again, all the credit to those kids for battling their ass off, like all the credit to them, but they should they should push Kansas's defensive line around. That's just the truth. And it it wasn't like they were dominating them. Like, yes, were they getting the job done the vast majority of the time? Yes, but once again, when you're playing a team that does not have a, de- a even decent front seven defensively, you have to whoop their ass early and often. You have to let them know, especially the first couple drives of the game, that this is going to be a miserable day for them. And that's the exact opposite of what happened. And it yeah. made those guys on Kansas's defensive front, that front seven, that de- entire defense believe. And they... Gave them all they wanted, man. And now it was interesting for the first time all year. I think Bill Beanbo just rolled with five guys on the offensive line. Like all five guys played every single snap. So maybe he settled on that five, but I thought I'll say this. I did think several of the issues in the run game. I know when run plays don't go well, everyone says, Well, the offensive line needs to block people. I'm telling you right now. Braden Willis, Jeremiah Holt, who, by the way, I think Jeremiah Holt is beat the hell up, and I think he's playing through it. Yeah. Those guys at times are getting worked at the point of attack, and they put him in tough spots. Don't get me wrong. I've talked about that all season, but it's Kansas, and there's a couple of plays that are dead on arrival because – Kansas edge players are getting after the tight ends and a Like, I mean, that's what I'm sitting now. I'm not making it sound like the offensive line just dominated this game. They didn't. That definitely didn't. But the thing about this game is guys taking turns. Killing plays, And that, that is a tough way. It's a tough way to play successful offensive football.
1: Well, I, Everything that you're talking about, it's really the you can look at the entire team as a whole and just say that it's it's Kansas and credit Kansas. Yes, but to the untrained eye, if if you put different uniforms on these teams, like that's a that's a level playing field between those two football teams. There's not, you couldn't tell much difference between them. Like, we didn't have any player that to me was just like standing out. Like Kennedy Brooks, you could tell he was the best running back on the day, but I don't know. What what did uh, Neil have for for Kansas? We made him look great too. So uh, it was, it was crazy that those two teams look as even as they did. There's no way the number two team or three team. In the country, should ever look anywhere near even with a team that probably ranks like they're over a hundred, both offensively and defensively. That offense, with the starters in, you heard it on this podcast, had not scored more than one touchdown against anyone in the Big Twelve. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Okay, I'll just go through the alignment now that we're all thoroughly depressed.
1: <laughs> sorry for to, that. Sorry, I derailed you, but
0: no, no, I think I, I I think people are listening to this episode to they're probably not listening, May, maybe they're hoping we're we were going to make them feel better. I don't think we're making anyone feel better, but it, we're just hey, just telling people what we saw. Right. And if it doesn't yeah. make them happy, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Really sorry. Okay, Andrew Rame. Now I did. I, I felt like you took a big step forward in the TCU game with the way that he played. Just how much calmer he was in his technique and his demeanor. Well, that kind of went off the rails in the Kansas game, and I, I thought he took a little step back in this one for whatever reason. I don't know. It, it was a confusing game from him. Uh, reverted back to some of. Of some of the issues that he's been having, especially earlier in the season, just now I did think he did a solid job communicating, right? And they gave up, they gave up the one sack on the on the opening drive on the third down. And that was something I will say. I'd watched every defensive snap from Kansas this season. They had not shown that look. They had not shown Bear with Kyron Johnson playing backer behind it. Hadn't seen it. So you go 5 0 all of a sudden, and 5 0, I mean. You know, center's blocking the head-up guy. Guards are blocking the three techniques. Tackles are blocking the two defensive ends. So, Bear, all the offensive linemen are covered. They took their best rusher and put him basically at a Mike Backer position while they were in Bear. And he ran scot-free. Now, you still should be squeezing that if you're in empty protection. So, that's still on Chris Murray and Tyrese Robinson on the right side. If you're in empty protection... If you're on the backside and he's free releasing, you have to assume the defensive end is going to peel with the back if they're bringing pressure. So you squeeze, you have to squeeze. You have to have your, your eyes inside on that backer, especially when it's Kyron Johnson, their best player on defense. So I tried to make an excuse for him and now I'm just getting angry with the excuse I tried to make for him. But still, but still, they made the adjustment and for whatever reason, Kansas never went back to that. I don't know why, but that was, that was something that'll come. Like, Ray will be able to – he'll be able to diagnose that in the future without having to go on the whiteboard on the sideline and Bill having to show up because he'll realize, hey, that's their best rusher we need to account for. Him. An offensive lineman needs to account for. Him. That's something, hopefully, that now he will know going forward. But as far as the way he played, he's just out of control too often. and. It looked, there was at times it looked similar to the way that he played against Nebraska where almost, I don't, it just like he he's on ice skates at times and you're, but uh, I still, uh, I'm still excited for his future. I think he's, uh, I think that will probably be a learning experience more than anything, but yeah, he's not going to be happy with the way that he played uh, Marquise Hayes few plays in the running game where I thought he was skating around guys using some bad footwork resulted in him kind of getting washed, and that's, that's not what you want being off balance. It's definitely not what you want. That's not how you want to play at the line of scrimmage. You want to play with force. You want to play through guys. You don't want to skate around them. But he's, he's still playing much better than what we saw from him early in the year. And I'll say this. I know, I know he got the personal foul. I loved seeing it. I know that sounds weird because it's a big penalty, and I think it put him in like, second and 37.
1: But they ended up converting that, right? Right. They, well, they got the, the face
0: mask. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the face mask on Haysville. Yeah. And I, I had been wondering, right, and I've talked about it on here. I'd been wondering where that guy went. It was good to see that guy, right? Like, that is you have to play on that edge. Now, I will say this. I thought it was a soft personal foul. He got a he got a personal foul for bullying that guy. That's what he got it for. That's football. I don't know why that's a personal foul. Take it, nerd. Yeah, but he got
1: he got the pancake and then uh, added the other pancake on top.
0: Yeah, <laughs> pancake to pancake, little syrup on top, Ted. That's I mean, that's that's what your coach to do. I don't have a problem with it right now. If it can if it becomes like some compounding issue. Also, you're not going to just destroy human beings like that on a, you know, on a regular basis on the field. That's kind of hard to do what he did to that kid, but I'm, I'm fine with it. Some people may disagree with me. Eh, I'm fine with it. But overall, I thought Marquise pretty, pretty solid day. Chris Murray, another solid performance. Uh, the only thing, a couple times, some of those key plays, those fourth downs getting stuffed a little bit, a little stalemate, kind of on the, on the fourth and one play that Williams ended up taking from Brooks. Uh, you you got to get some movement in those situations. But I mean, Chris, he, he continues to play good ball for him. Uh, Tyrese Robinson, he looked much healthier this week, moved well. And I, I was a little concerned about that, but I thought, uh, I thought he did a solid job again. And you, you, you talked about it earlier, Ted, you hinted at it. He was the one that gave up way too much penetration on the fourth and one uh, on the Kennedy Brooks that ended up in Caleb Williams' hands to get the first down. That's, that is the, uh, that was the problem area of that play. Now I don't love how they're running the split zone, particularly right there, like how they don't press it front side and then cut it back. But, That's a different discussion for a different day. You can't give up that amount of of penetration. I mean, it's like it's fourth in the game essentially, Mm -hmm. and it it just can't happen. But other than that play, and I know that play will bother Tyrese. But uh, other than that play, once again, many is pretty solid. But overall, I just it, it wasn't. It didn't look the way it should look against Kansas. I don't know how to describe it. Because when you watch the film, it's like, oh, yeah, he's covering that guy up. Like, you know, they're double teaming that guy. It's like, dude, you you should be mauling dudes when they're they're just not not talented on the defensive line at all. I and mean, they got no twitch, nothing. And it was just like, all right, let's get in their way. And I guess I guess you give them a plus when you're grading it. Like I was sitting there like, I guess that's his job, but I don't don't know. I I didn't feel like it looked the way it was supposed to look, uh, which leads me to talking about Anton Harrison. He he played his best game last week and he was back on his bullshit at times this week. I I just, I, I can't figure him out as a player. There's just way too many plays where what's the best way to put it. He was, he was the nail instead of the hammer. (laughs) yeah I think that's like he and it was weird because he brought physicality in the TCU game and that was just gone for the majority of this one I he did not bring the level of physicality that you want and I I don't know why and well at one point it looked like he was hurt like he had a bad limp going I was like mate what what happened so I was trying to search through the film to see what happened I couldn't see so it. He just confuses me, man. I don't know how else to put. Like, he's he's so talented, and I thought that last week, like maybe the light had come on, and like this was the guy we were going to see moving forward, and he was going to build on that. And then plays the way he played. I don't know. It's just, we you know how we said, hey Kennedy Brooks, you know what you're going to get, dude. I don't know what the hell is going to happen with 71. Not only like on a series by series basis, but like a down by down. Like it's like, all right, let's see which one, which version of him shows up this play. It's weird. Well, and again, um,
1: it's Kansas. So if there was a game to show up physically and dominate, um, this would have been the week. But I don't know. It's interesting. And I don't know if just overall this team, we're banged up, I think we're banged up. That's well documented. We've played eight straight games. there's no bye week. that's well documented i think I think the guys are um probably a little little worn out, but you got one more. You got tech, and I hate to tell you something, but their passing offense is light years better than what we just witnessed uh, against Kansas so. My hope is this was just one of those weeks where they knew it was Kansas prepared like it was Kansas went out there and played like it was Kansas and almost got beat. But that's like a one off type of performance because that performance gets you beat literally by almost everyone else in college football. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> uh, I, I was the one. You know, when we were doing the preview episode saying how bad the Kansas defense was, oh, you goes five plays and three plays on their first two drives. And I was like, I look like, uh, I mean, I I look like the dumbest person on planet earth. uh, I'm just glad it's over. I mean, everything was weird. The power went out. Like I was threatening students. (laughs) They were talking all kinds of crazy to me in the front row. Like, it was just. What an experience we had in Lawrence. Yeah.
1: Hopefully, uh, I think it's probably the last trip we ever have there.
0: I would bet a lot of money it is. Can't imagine. Can't imagine we'll come back to Lawrence in two years. Don't, uh, don't see that happen. Okay, let's get to call your shot. Got a couple questions here. Ted, this one comes from Jelinda on Twitter. Says, I have a question for Teddy. Why don't we blitz more? I do not pretend to know or understand defensive schemes, but it seems like when we do blitz, good to better things happen. Just wondering what the rationale might be. I love how she put that. Good to better things happen.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I think that's a a philosophical thing. There's always the dilemma whenever you're not covering well do you blitz well if you blitz you're giving up a pass defender for someone rushing the quarterback and that can be great but it can also be terrible if if it's picked up and you're even thinner on the back end than you were before um you know I I think you just got to pick your times to be aggressive and I, I think it probably tells us something about the personnel that that Gritsch doesn't like. Like, whenever you call blitzes and they don't get home, it's a, it's bad. It's bad whenever you're adding guys to the rush and you don't get there because you're exposing people in the back end. And my guess with all the injuries that they've had, he didn't want to expose the guys on the back end any more than they already were. Yeah. Just a guess.
0: No, I, uh, I think that is, uh, that is sound reasoning. Okay, you know what I forgot to do. I was just, I was dreading talking about Kansas so much. I forgot the birthday shoutouts.
1: Ah, uh, I was wondering. I was like, wow. I thought we were going to have a bunch of birthday shoutouts, but
0: okay, let's start with this one. Brian Wilder, happy forty seventh birthday, Brian. Nice. forty seventh Your son. Your son, Drew, loves you very much. So happy birthday, Brian. Happy 47th. And then happy 60th, the big 6-0, to Jeff Limke. Jeff, that's a big one. 6-0, Ted. That's that's a good one.
1: That's that's a really good one. That's a big one. I like that. 60. 60
0: and thriving, Jeff Limke, I'm sure. 60 and thriving. Sorry I didn't do them at the start. Uh, hopefully you, you kept listening. I know you may have gotten a little too upset with mm-hmm. the way Teddy was talking about the defense, <laughs> not giving you much hope. I understand it. <laughs> All right, uh, Ted. Oh, man. All right, let's move on. Uh, let's talk about Oklahoma State losing. Maybe it'll feel, make us feel better. It's so funny, dude. use 8 no, and it feels like they've lost three games.
1: I know it, man. I, it's it's wild. The first time this this OU has been 8-0 since 2004. It, There's been some really, really good football teams between then and now.
0: It's wild. And this is the one. This, that is hey, 8-0. Enjoy it. A, a, an undefeated yet flawed football team. That's, how, that's probably the best way to put it.
1: It's always hard seltzer season, baby. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like Cherry Limeade and Ocean Water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores.
0: Nailed it. God, you're good.
1: And I see uh, I see you guys in the mentions slowly but surely converting. I like it. Keep it coming, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, let Teddy know he's doing great jobs uh, doing a great job with the ad reads cuz he is. Okay, Oklahoma State goes to Ames and loses 24-21. And Ted, this game was pretty much exactly what we expected it to be. I uh, knew this one was going to be a physical football game, uh, both teams Like we said, kind of struggled to run it with Brees Hall. But Jalen Warren had 76 yards rushing. Brees Hall only had 70 yards rushing. I did think that overall, both quarterbacks, for what I was expecting from them, played pretty damn well. Uh, Took care of the football for the most part. I mean, Spencer Sanders had some dimes in this game. That TD throw, the touchdown to Tay Martin in the fourth quarter, I mean that was a hell of a throw with the pocket collapsing around him I was like wow okay yeah he's got that but you you just got to give credit to Iowa State they played the style of game they wanted to play uh and their offense answered after Oklahoma State took the lead in the fourth quarter and then their defense got stops but as as much as we talked about how important the running game was going to be heading in this one and is as much as we talked about the defenses, this game was really decided by field goal kicking, which makes me sad to say out loud. But I really, I, I felt like the difference in the game was field goal kicking, uh, coaches' decision making, and the maybe the fact that Fox didn't have a good angle of whether Brendan Presley was laying on top of Goodleski or not. I, I feel like those were the three takes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Field goal kicking is in a game like that. It's it's always going to be frustrating. Um, but no, I I thought it was. I, I'll tell you what I think is is interesting is that back to back Brock Purdy games where he's starting to look really good, um, and that's against a. a a top 10 football team that is really, really good defensively, can do a bunch of different things out there. And he had another really sharp performance. Was he like six incompletions over 300 yards? Took care of the ball. Um, Iowa State, unfortunately, is going to be rounding into shape right at the time uh, we get to see him.
0: How unfortunate. Now, looking at some of the guys that really stood out to me in that game, Brandon Presley. I mean, he, he's not a very big guy, but he made some huge plays for Oklahoma state in this game. Uh, the diving touchdown catch early. Then obviously everyone saw the one where he climbed the ladder for the awesome catch touchdown catch before the half. But I think he got that first down, man. I do like I've watched it 10 times. I, I think he was laying on top of the center. Yeah. And I think the center made a great play. Like he pulled him over the first down. Like I still think it was a first down. Now some people will say, Oh, well you can't have it come down to that. And why'd they throw that in that situation? I guess that's a valid question, but I do. I think he got the first down. I've watched it so many times that I, there's not an angle where I see his shin down or his elbow down or anything down, dude. Yeah, I don't know.
1: It's a weird play. Um, I, I think I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, you've got to just kind of like piece things together and, and look at it and, and say that you don't think it was down, but I don't know, man. I, that's a tough call to make, but I tend to agree it's hard to say with Oklahoma state.
0: But. Yeah, I I understand you you just you're you're <laughs> incapable of doing that, but Xavier Hutchinson, man, Beesh. he he looked like the best player on the field to me. That uh, and the unsportsmanlike conduct on him that referee should be arrested because I can't people that people that don't like other people experiencing joy we need to rid ourselves of those people throw them in prison because that was the dumbest call like are you really trying to have that big of an impact on the football game if you're an official like and thank god they scored a couple plays later and it was actually Hutchinson that caught it but you cannot make that call in that situation in a game that big you cannot do that if you're an official. It's ridiculous, man.
1: We've talked about it that there's no way that that should be – if you want to call it a penalty, I disagree, but there's no way that that should be the um, – you can't take touchdowns away for something like that. You can't do it. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. We, we've had that discussion – Everyone knows how I feel about it. I think it's ridiculous, but I'm with you. It's a good thing they did score again because that's like the whole goal of being an official is to not make yourself the deciding factor of the game. Now, if something is something happens, it happens. I understand that, but my goodness. And, you know, at the end of the day, we probably shouldn't be mad at the officials. They're getting, like they have the committees that say like, this is the things that we want to crack down on. And that was one of them this year. And it's stupid.
0: Yeah. Because kids shouldn't have fun. You shouldn't enjoy catching a massive touchdown in a big game in your home stadium. How dare Xavier Hutchinson almost high step kind of before he scored. I, I was furious, furious, but the last thing I want to talk about about that game, I have been I have been expressing my frustration with how conservative Mike Gundy is in some of these situations, and he elected to have Tanner, Tanner Brown try a fifty yard field goal instead of going on going for it on fourth and two. On the other side, and then again, he he thought. What he? It was fourth and one midway through the third quarter. He trots Brown out there again. Now this is a kick you should make. There's no doubt about it. But he missed that one. I thought he should have go gone fourth in too. I mean, give the ball to Jalen Warren. It's one yard. Yeah,
1: i I don't know those those, those calls are always. It's it's easy to criticize those, but you should be able to make a, a a field goal number one, and they were having a hard time running the football. I I just I have a hard time. There's some calls that he's made in the past that I've I've thought were were really bad. These I don't know. I know it's it's easy to say it's a dumb call at the end, but you know if Caleb Williams doesn't come in and take the ball from Kennedy Brooks, well, that was a dumb call too. going forward on your own into the field when you just gave up a scoring drive to Kansas. So I, it's hard, man. I it, Just make the field goals and it's a, a little bit easier, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. That's why you'd be nice to kickers, Ted. Mm. I've been telling you for this for years, but I, I will say I did love, how aggressive Matt Campbell was in some of those situations, especially early. They went forward to fourth and goal, a great thrown catch from Purdy to Hutchinson there. I, I liked him going for it on fourth and two in the fourth quarter. I hated the play call. I don't know why they would run Brock Purdy in that situation. That was, I I don't know how him running that play instead of getting the ball to Brees Hall or throwing it to Hutchinson or Kohler. Like I, I don't know how you say yes fourth and two, we're dialing up the Sam Ellinger run game for Brock Purdy. That was that was odd. I was like, what the hell was that?
1: Do you think what, – what what team, Iowa State or Oklahoma State, do you think is the more difficult matchup for Oklahoma? Forget that we're playing Iowa State at home and OSU on the road. Just like neutral side, like maybe, right, maybe it'll be a Big 12 championship. I don't know, but is there one of those teams that you think is a, a – more difficult matchup.
0: They're very similar football teams in my mind. I think I think Iowa State is a tougher matchup for Oklahoma.
1: I agree, and namely because of uh,
0: Xavier Hutchinson, he is a problem. Now I will say Brendan Presley probably going to rack up some yards on Oklahoma. Uh, Tay Martin probably going to catch a couple of uh, explosive plays. With their plan, with, with the way that OU's playing in the back end right now. But the one thing, I, Iowa State's defensive line and Oklahoma State's defensive line is physical as hell, too. I think they're going to have problems blocking both of those groups. Yeah. I, I do. I do. So luckily, they don't play them this week. They play tech. So they got time to get better, Ted.
1: Yeah. Yeah, those 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 three games to end the season, buddy. Though all every every single one of them is going to be an absolute dogfight, in my opinion.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Sooners better get better. Yeah, I'm telling you right now. It, it's obvious. It, it's I, I think it goes without saying. Like they play the way they played against Kansas, they're losing all three of those teams. I mean, there's no doubt. But
1: if they play the way they've played against pretty much everyone this year, they might lose to all three of
0: those teams. That's kind of how I feel also.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, which is scary, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay, I, Ohio State, Indiana. We previewed this game just to talk about how good Ohio State was. And, well, they're good. 54-7 to in Bloomington. Our, our man Dusty Dvorak, I'm glad he was able to stay awake for the second half of this call because, uh, I mean, now I will say the first quarter was entertaining and then it all went wrong for Indiana. And I don't think we really need to recap a game that was 44-7 to at halftime. But I do think it's important to acknowledge that Ohio State looks fantastic right now. And I'm hoping – and Oklahoma, let's be real. OU does not have the talent that Ohio State has. They just don't have that level of talent up and down the roster, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But if Ohio State can get better and look this good, I'm holding out hope that Oklahoma can improve as well. <laughs> that's that's where I saw because, man, C.J. Scroud, Dravion Henderson, that wide receiver core – I mean, by the way, their offensive line, they got a couple of guys that are giants. I mean, massive human beings. And I'm just hoping the Sooners can improve like the Buckeyes have. Right? They figured things out defensively for the most part. They look more multiple, playing some more coverages, executing better, defensive line getting after it. It's a dangerous squad, man. But I, I was like, yes, they can get better. So, yeah, OU can get better. It's possible.
1: Yeah. Now they have played three of the lower ranked teams in the Big Ten the Some last get right games. Three games and CJ Stroud, all he's done is is be excellent in all of those games. Fourteen touchdowns, no interceptions in the last three games. Uh yeah, I'd say they're getting right. And you mentioned it defensively. Um you know, Maryland is is better offensively, even Rutgers is better. Uh they've They've come around, they figured some things out and they're going to be, they're going to be tough to deal with, but it's about to get really difficult for Ohio state. We'll see if it's for real the next, uh, what, four weeks.
0: Yep. All right. Let's get to our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, are you doing this one or am I doing it?
1: uh yeah i'm doing it of course I'm right. sorry. <laughs> are you unhappy with the surface around your pool are you not pleased with your patio soft rock specializes in installing safe rubber surface surfacing for pools patios gym floors and other outdoor spaces soft rocks rubber safety surfacing provides a long-lasting surface that is impact and slip resistant fully customizable and virtually indestructible Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark are avid OU fans that are driven to help you with all your pool and patio servicing needs. Visit softrock.com OKC. That's fotro dot OKC for more information. The Clarks also own The Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints, to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit the drivewaycompany.com OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Softrock and The Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834.
0: And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend?
1: I've got to go with Tennessee, Hypel, Tennessee fans, whoever exactly you want to uh, put that on. Now, I know they got beat by Alabama, and I know the final was 52-24, to but that football game was 34 to 20 or excuse me, 31 to 24 with 1430 left in the fourth quarter, Alabama opens it up. They score three touchdowns down the stretch. They're actually really quick back to back to back fashion to blow that thing open. But man, I think Heupel's done a heck of a job there. Hendon uh, hookers quarterback is coming around, starting to play well. He's also been a little bit banged up, but man, I feel like he's done a really good job with this group. Uh, Hooker threw three touchdowns, one interception against Alabama. I say that's pretty good, man. They've got some stuff rolling. I'm I'm proud of what Hypel's done with Tennessee. They, for the first time, it looks like they've actually made some headway, and he's doing it without most of his best players that transferred out of town before the season started.
0: I think, uh, usually, usually one of the easiest ways to gauge how a coach is doing is to Twitter search his name. <laughs> and while people, some people are just making hype for the way that he looks now, there are quite a few Tennessee fans that have some hope moving forward with the way that their team has looked the last couple of weeks, especially. Right. I, I mean, you, you, you look at, how entertaining and close. And I know the fans acted a fool at the end of it, but that Ole Miss game, like Ole Miss is a pretty damn good team. And Tennessee played him to the wire. And then you look at the Bama game, man, I was watching it Saturday night, drinking hand, like, hey, this thing is, this thing is fun to watch. And these teams like for, the vast majority of that game till it kind of went off the rails late Tennessee looks like they belonged with Bama yep. and yep, I think I it's been a while since you've been able to say that
1: no oh, I know and it, Alabama that that stadium was getting nervous there whenever Tennessee you know closed in there scored that touchdown in the fourth quarter now all of a sudden they're a touchdown away. You know, it's getting a little restless in there, like, what's going on? And obviously they answer the call and and do so pretty quickly. But, you know, one of the things that you always have to look at is how do the players play for their coach whenever they know that they're outmanned, outgunned, and it looks like this, this group goes out and fights, you know, and, and I think that says a lot about what they think about Heupel. And, and Heupel's one of those guys that – there's a bunch of head coaches that are going to go out and win the press conference. They got big personalities. They're going to woo donors and the media just, oh, they're just the best because they give you the statements and the, and the quotes that you want. Hype's not going to do that, but you got to kind of look a little bit, read between the lines or, or dig a little bit deeper to see what the team actually thinks of him. And I think the way they play says a whole heck of a lot.
0: No, I'm with you. And, and remember, one of the big concerns with him getting that job was: okay, is he gonna be able to, you know, relate to the players? Is he gonna be able to recruit? And it's, well, playing an entertaining brand of football is a really good recruiting tool. And what we've talked about this in the past Ted. like, yes, they've lost some games. What are they? Four and four now. But that's an entertaining try, yeah. team to watch. No, I agree. They're fun to watch. So I I'm with you, man. Uh, I'm happy for hype. He's got, he appears to have things headed in the proper direction there in Knoxville. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see. It'll, it'll take a while to kind of judge. It'll be a couple of years till we see what, you know, what he actually is able to get done there. But yeah, man, I think a lot of people close to that program, uh, I know some – I randomly know some people that are pretty dialed in at Tennessee. I was texting with them during the game because I was like, if you guys beat Bama, this is going to be insane. And they all seem to be really happy with where Hype's got that team. So I thought it's pretty cool,
1: man. That's good. I love it. Love it for him.
0: Who do you have as your loser of the weekend?
1: The National Football League in – F. L. Um, It's the, the Washington football team investigation. The whole Gruden deal was was pretty ugly and it was had a lot of people asking a lot of questions about the investigation itself. How in the world did an email about Gruden from 2011 get out? But what they were actually investigating, the workplace environment there for the Washington football team, like nothing leaked at all from that really long investigation. So a lot of people were asking questions about that. And now. Congress is asking questions about that, and it's never good whenever Congress wants to uh, to get someone there in front and fire a bunch of questions their way. The um, the Committee on Oversight and Reform and the Committee on Economic and Consumer Policy have requested documents from the NFL uh, and information concerning the Washington football team's hostile workplace culture and NFL's investigation into the uh, the matter. And I, I don't know what happens. I don't know if they get any of those documents, but that is not a good sign for the NFL. A lot of people believe that there's a lot of things that were found in some of those emails that uh, are at some point, someday, going to finally surface, and this is maybe a step in that direction for the NFL.
0: Okay, so if you're new to the podcast, there are very few things... Teddy loves more than a good conspiracy theory. So let's have it. Yes. Let's get, give me, give me your, give me your top two or three uh, p- conspiracy theory predictions from this whole thing. What, what, what do you got there? Big guy. Come on. I, I know really, you thought, I know you thought of some weird stuff. Let's just, just put it out there.
1: I really don't have anything on this as far as conspiracy theory. I know a lot of people just believe that there were some really bad things in those emails. I think it ended up being like a $10 million settlement that was paid out or whatever. Um, And there's a lot of people frustrated that, and people actually involved in the lawsuit were upset that some of the other stuff made it out, but the things that were actually bad and having to do with the investigation have not been released. So there's been a lot of different people. ask for those emails and it just it i don't know it just makes you wonder what's in there but i don't know i don't have any conspiracy theories but oh yeah those, you do you're, you, you emails, do you're
0: just not telling us
1: i really don't i really don't yeah dude you know me if i had a conspiracy theory on it well, i would it. lay I was, it out
0: i was hoping you had like a real dark one that you're like ah, i don't know if i would say it, but it's okay no you'll have I, them eventually
1: yeah I, all it, all it takes is one like oddly worded email to, to someone or a group of people that I'll start, I'll start. Well, you know who that guy works for, don't you?
0: Oh, You know who
1: he's married to, don't you? Yeah. That's I'll, I'll start down that road.
0: Conspiracy Ted, my favorite <laughs> Ted, you know, did you say $10 million settlement? Well, yeah, I think
1: the. I think originally the Washington football team had to pay $10 million on that deal. Now, I think Daniel Snyder himself had to pay uh, a couple of other sexual misconduct settlements. Uh, one of them was for $1.6 million, and um, there's some other ones out there. But yeah, I think, that, I think either the NFL, they, were, they had to pay $10 million, the Washington football team did, I believe.
0: Gotcha. All right. Well, those people could probably use some whiskey or bourbon right now. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones lineage single malt whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by whiskey advocate. And you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of the Balcones baby blue corn whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn, and that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcony's Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcony's Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and Macallan, and became the first American distiller to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit BalconesDistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the weekend, I thought about going with Max Verstappen. It was a good one in the U.S. Grand Prix, although it was in Austin, Ted, your favorite city in the country. But huh. came down, and I will say, why? So I, I like watching the Formula One way races, but one of the reasons I like watching because they come on in the morning, because they're in like Europe, right? So they're on like early in the morning on Sunday. It Gets me so I'm up with, I'm with, up with my son. He's going. I'm putting him through his little drills, and I'm watching Formula One. But this one was it was actually in the U.S. It was on at like 2 p.m. I was like, what the hell is going on here?
1: No well, that NFL Sunday. Up, that screws up the whole. There's pro, the the um, ratings had to dive on that. No one's going to watch that instead of football.
0: Yeah, I'm watching Red Zone. Yeah. But, but now I was I, I had Formula One going on the iPad and it did come down. Hey, came down to the last three laps of the old Grand Prix. And Verstappen was able to hold hold off Lewis Hamilton. It was pretty exciting stuff. I, I've said it was but it was ridiculous. It was during the middle of like all the NFL games. I was like, what are they doing? (laughs) It was bizarre. But I mean, just an absurd idea. Know your country guys. I guess it's hard to,
1: maybe it's hard to pull off a race of that size early in the morning. All of the, all of the things that you've got to do to, to get the track ready and get all the, I don't know that I guess that's the only thing I could guess. I don't know. Yeah.
0: I think they're doing Get out of bed that, earlier. They're, they're doing one in Miami next year. I think it's in like March or may. I think it's in may. you going, I just might, it would be sweet. Right. I don't know. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come where did to they
1: ha- do, where did they have it in Austin? Was it going through like downtown and stuff? There's
0: I, there's just like this giant track. Okay. Yeah. Like the circuit of the Americas or whatever.
1: Because some of those places have them like where they partially go through. They go like, through like the city. It's insane.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And there's your Formula One talk. You're welcome. <laughs> but my winner of the weekend, the Cincinnati Bengals. We, we talked about it on the last episode. We decided the Bengals were indeed good. I'm not sure we knew, the, knew they were this good, Ted, but it is official. The Cincinnati Bengals are a legit football team. They go to Baltimore and smack the Ravens 41-17 to with an absolute explosion on offense in the second half. The Bengals' defense, I mean, they played really well. They got after Lamar Jackson. He was under pressure a lot in that football game, and it was an absolutely massive day. For Joe Burrow in that passing game, so many explosive plays. Couple to the tight end C.J. Uzma, and then Jamar Chase is that dude. I mean, whoa! What 201 yards receiving, touchdown. Both Joe Mixon and Samaje Piran repping the Sooners, baby. Both had long touchdown runs. Piran, I see you with the speed, man. I see you still got it.
1: But dude, it's that whole division. The whole whole AFC North is all Sooners, it seems
0: like. It's crazy. A A lot of representation up there, but that was impressive. Now, on the Baltimore side of things, Hollywood had a sweet touchdown catch, really nice catch, but, man, the Bengals went to Baltimore and set the tone.
1: Who's the best team in that division? The Bengals.
0: You think so? Until the Browns are healthy? What, are you going to say the Steelers with the way that Ben Roethlisberger no. looks? There's no. no way. I guess that's right. It feels, I mean, it feels wrong to say the Bengals, but I also just watched, and I watched pretty much that entire game. I just watched them beat the Ravens down 41-7 to in Baltimore.
1: They're both 5-2, and two and a head-to-head beatdown on the road, uh, that's... Yeah. I
0: That's guess the
1: tiebreaker, right? It comes down the last game of the season is Cincinnati at Cleveland, January 9. They go their last three games, Ravens Chiefs
0: at Cleveland.
1: Whew.
0: Well, I don't know. Did you see the Chiefs Titans game? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that did not go well for our Chiefs. We love the Chiefs, big Chiefs guys. They got four Sooners on that team, but, I mean, the Titans punched them in the face, and.
1: They almost broke their quarterback, too, in half. (laughs) That
0: was. wow! yeah. Yeah, Chiefs are struggling. We still love you guys, though. Keep balling. Oh, the Bengals are good. This is going to take some time. I'm a, it, it's going to take some time. And it does feel like they're a bit ahead of schedule, right? There's like a season too early for them to be good. But I trust what I see with my eyes. And I watched them destroy the Ravens' defense today. And I know the Ravens' defense isn't, you know, the Ravens' defense is of old, but.
1: Well, they also handled their offense.
0: Right. That was the impressive part. Shut it, shut it Who's down. What's the DC there in Cincinnati? I have no idea.
1: I don't either. But hey, I know a lot of people were not happy with Zach Taylor and how things were going early on, but looking good right now, man.
0: Yeah, I would assume that this says Lou and Arumo on Arumo.
1: Well, Lou had it dialed in today.
0: Good job, good Lou. Lou. Great job. Okay, for my loser of the weekend, thought about going. I I don't know who this human being is, but thought about going with the Tampa Bay Bucks fan that gave Tom Brady's 600th touchdown ball back to that Bucks Stafford. Like there was a handshake after he gave. I don't know what the the agreement was, but dude, you got to leave the stadium with the ball and get you create some leverage for yourself. Start a legit negotiation. What are you doing?
1: That's crazy. It reminds me of the the Mark McGuire record home run ball where the guy had the ball and said he said he would give it back to Mark McGuire. All he wanted to do is meet Mark and shake his hand, and Mark McGuire said no.
0: <laughs> Jeez.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, wow. Absolutely not. It's but hey, and maybe maybe Brady will reward that fan for being so cool about it. Hope, hopefully, you would assume. But man, missed opportunity. No, right you can,
1: you hang on to that thing. When you see what some of this stuff goes for, like forget Brady. Like if he wants it, he can buy it. But you go auction that thing off, man.
0: Man, what a missed opportunity. This this why that there's a reason. The phrase "nice guys finish last" exists, and yeah. that's a perfect example of it.
1: Well, Mister, you're telling me, I, I, one of my biggest regrets is I didn't keep that damn football from the OU Texas deal back in 2001. Should have kept that football. Dumb. So, I even thought about later just grabbing a random football and claiming that I did keep it. <laughs>
0: You should have. <laughs> By the way, the Bucks just absolutely destroyed the Chicago Bears. Matt Nagy's got to be gone soon, right? Yeah. I mean, I, that, that game was – that was about as uncompetitive as an NFL game can look. Like, they beat the hell out of them.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's weird. Uncompetitive?
0: That- noncompetitive? Noncompetitive? Uncompetitive? Uh-huh. Non? Un. un. That's what we're going with. It was as uncompetitive as I've seen in a while. Now, I feel like you're switching to non now. I,
1: it, it, neither one of them sound
0: good. It was the least It was competitive. not competitive. There yeah. we go. <laughs>
1: problem,
0: problem solved. Okay, but my loser of the weekend, Penn State, man. What Ooh. the hell was that? Just an absolutely gross loss to Illinois in Happy Valley. I mean, Brett Bielema basically said his players sucked this week. (laughs) And then Illinois showed up to Penn State's house and kicked their ass, man. I mean, they ran it straight down their face. The two running backs, Chase Brown and Joshua McCray for the Illini combined for 365 Five yards rushing. Wow. I thought Penn State's defense was good. What was that? And it I thought I thought Illinois really did control the game and regulations, but somehow it went to overtime. And we got to see the do overtime rules at work. And they played nine overtimes. Nine and Reminder, now after two overtimes, it turns into a two-point conversion shootout, which sounds exciting and exhilarating and like it will create drama and tension, and it did. But both teams kicked field goals in the first two overtimes, so it was 16-16. And then neither team scored till the eighth.
1: It was and like, it takes all the time in between getting the new offense out there. And they, were, and, they
0: were going to the opposite end of the field. You saw, like I was, it was, I, it w- it did create excitement, but then when it happened four times in a row, I was like, mm, I'm kind of over this,
1: you know, in practice, whenever like you're doing a goal line drill or whatever, and or just, you know, anytime in practice you've got like, everyone like is like huddled around the drill. They should all just stay out there on the field. And they just like, boom, boom, back and forth, you know, instead of like everyone going to the sideline and everything, we'll just stay out here.
0: Just, all right, everyone stand at the 50 and we'll just flip around and go to the other end. But Sean Clifford, he was open on the Phillies special type play they ran, but God, that tied in for Penn State cannot throw the damn football. That was, God, that was bad, but that's a great win. For Illinois, right? They, they end up winning it in the ninth overtime. Uh find the guy in the back of the end zone there. And there was there was certainly a lack of offensive execution in the overtime periods.
1: But how funny is that though? A nine overtime game that with a final score of 20 to 18.
0: I hope you <laughs> hammered the under
1: people. <laughs> god but you know you know people that that bet the over were like yes we're going to overtime baby we,
0: we got a shot how many people <laughs> how long do you think it took people to realize that once the two-point conversion like shootout started that those scores were only worth two and not six yeah i don't know when you think about it it's like okay it is a two-point off but It kind of feels like it should be worth six, you know?
1: Well, it has to be worth six. This is what, this is what makes me mad is whenever you do something that doesn't fit within the rules of the game and a two point, that is a conversion. That is a point after touchdown that is not. It has to count as a touchdown, not as a two-point conversion. I don't even know. How do you even score that? You can't even score that in the record books as a two-point try. It can't be a two-point try. You didn't score a touchdown.
0: Well, deal with it, Ted. That's, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it, was word, it was word two, which is how <laughs> we ended up with 20 to eighteen. God, so good. But, dude, that's just a bad loss for James Franklin. Right back
1: -back losses by three and by two
0: and with Ohio state coming up next week with the way that team is playing,
1: they still got Ohio state, Michigan and Michigan state left. Yikes.
0: But probably the most awkward part (laughs) was Penn state had lost to Illinois in overtime. And I was, I was, I think it was Tennessee Bama. They were still running the, Penn State, Ohio State, a top 10 matchup (laughs) for the next weekend. And I was like, no, it's not. (laughs) That's a lie. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, it's good stuff. All right, man. Episode 158 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Thursday morning. We will preview OU Texas Tech. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, channel 375. Hope you all have a great week until next time. We appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do. Oklahoma. Take care of each other.